Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. From the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence, He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, then the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. I don't think we can approach this worship service today or this time together and ignore the fact that this has been a terrible week in the life of our nation. At every turn, at everything, there's uncertainty, there's fear, there's mistrust, there's all of this stuff going on. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to invite any that will, would, want to. I want to invite you to join me here. And let's pray. Um, If you're more comfortable at your seat, by all means stay. But I invite you to come and let's cry out to God. Our refuge, our strength, our most high. The one who has spread his wings. And said, I will take care of you. So please, join us in this time of prayer. Father, in the name that is above all names, Jesus, we come to you today as Jehoshaphat saying, Lord, we confess our need. Our condition is desperate. 
conventional wisdom fails us. But the Spirit of the Most High God keeps us and unites us and guides us and tells us that that You are light to our path and You're a lamp to our feet. God, You have told us that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But You have come to give life. And Lord, we stand hand in hand, side by side, declaring that we believe the truth and the glory and the honor of Your Word, that it is greater than anything and that you and us are greater than anything that Satan could have and so Lord we are available we're available to be the catalyst we're available to be the change we're available to stand with our brothers and sisters we're available to protect our children we're available to be a friend to the friendless to be help to the helpless and to be that light of hope to the one who is hopeless. Father, we are here. We ask. We plead. The blood of Jesus over our community. Over our families. Over our children. Over our law enforcement and our first responders. Father, we pray. The world would say there is no hope. And we would say there is Jesus. So that means there's always hope. So Lord, we want to be that ounce of prevention we want to be proactive don't even know what it means (laughs) I don't even I can't even imagine what you could already see God but I can't imagine that you will show up and I can't imagine when you show up that there's victory and I can't imagine us being the ones you use so Lord whatever it looks like use us give us your heart help us to see what you saw help us to feel what you felt so that we can do what you did in Jesus name pray it and we say it together. Amen, amen, and amen. In 2012, I preached a sermon series called The Harvest. In 2016, I'm going to preach a sermon series called The Harvest because there are principles that need to be shared. Maybe not sermons that need to be repeated, but there are principles that need to be shared on a regular basis. And The Harvest is one of those because Jesus said, guess what? I'm the Lord of the harvest. And if he's the boss of the harvest, then we need to hear what the boss has to say about it. Before I kind of get into the 
the theological part of it. This week I was on the treadmill, actually the elliptical. I was going. It was amazing. I was watching the miles rack up and I was feeling like, you are the man, you have just done this, you have gone this far, blah, 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 blah. You know all the stuff you do to yourself. And when I finished, it said, you have gone eight miles. And I looked down, no, don't listen to me. And I looked down and I hadn't gone two inches. I was in the same spot that I was eight miles ago. Sheesh. Kind of was depressing a little bit. But then I got to thinking about the church. It's like being on an elliptical sometimes. Man, we are going and we're going and we're going and we're going. And we say, wow, look where we're going and look how fast we're going and look how far we've come. And then we stop and we go, oh, we're kind of right where we were eight miles ago. Can I tell y'all, I don't want to be where I was eight miles ago. I don't want to be in that same place. I want to have at least moved somewhere. People say, man, every time I take three steps forward, I take two steps back. Well, look at it. At least you're not on a treadmill. I took so many thousand steps forward, and I didn't go anywhere. If you go three steps forward and two steps back, you're still one step further than you were when you started. I think it's time. I think it's time for the church to start asking the questions. How are we going to take the steps forward? Is it a program? Ooh, I don't think so because we are programmed out. Is it an activity? I don't think so. We got five this week. Great things that I want to do, but they obviously are not taking us, boom, somewhere. So I'm going to tell you what I think it is. I think it's, yes, it's those things, but understanding that those things are not the end all. Those things are the tool to help us connect with people that we take the time to get to know and hang out with and do life together. So that when they're hurting, they've got friends. When they've fallen, Oh my goodness, there's somebody going, can I help you up? Have you ever fallen? Maybe literally or just figuratively speaking. That's a lonely place. And everywhere you go, you, you feel like everybody's looking and judgment is being heaped. And just what if? What if there really was that place? That people could walk in the door and be helped up. What if that mom who came in here, who was so afraid for her son to be in the car and out on the street, could walk in here And just have that one person that would say, I get it. I understand it. And you know what? I'm going to walk right beside you.
church says we want people. We want the community. I mean, when I say the church, you understand, I'm not saying Mount Zion. Okay, I'm saying us in general, ecumenical. The church says we want people. And then we get inside our doors. And we talk about it. And then we get outside of our doors and we don't do anything. Well, Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the harvest. So I think maybe, Miss Marshall, this would be a good time. Let's pull up our passage of Scripture. Um, Matthew 9, 35 through 38. You can read it in yours or you can follow me. Um, we're going to learn. We're going to try to learn. So to get back in the habit of using the PowerPoint, the screen behind us. If we have a few glitches today as we're learning to communicate, just look past it and look to the purpose of what we're doing. But um, let's look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So, if the church... Is like somebody on the treadmill. We've gone and we've gone and we've gone, but we haven't gone anywhere. Then maybe we need to understand what Jesus was saying. He said, I'm the Lord of the harvest. He didn't say, I'm just the Lord of planting. I didn't, he didn't say, I'm just the Lord of the watering. He said, I'm the Lord of the harvest. Well, the harvest implies a gathering. And so therefore, Jesus said, of this gathering, I am the one that you need to look to. And in this gathering, I have a way to do it. Our passage says in this that Jesus was teaching, that Jesus was preaching, and that Jesus was healing. Matthew 4.23 basically teaches the same thing when it says that Jesus would go through all the villages, teaching, proclaiming the gospel, and healing every kind of disease and sickness. And then when we get to verses 36 and 38 that we just read. It's a specific incident report. That Jesus was walking. And we know he was popular at this time because he had already done some healing. And he had already preached a sermon on the mount where all the people were. So everywhere he went people were gathering. And even on some occasions it, it implies that Jesus said don't bring them to me right now. But in this one, it says that he looked out and he saw. He saw people. And it says that when he saw them, that there was compassion. He gave them a clear and important instructions to his disciple. To his disciples. He said, look, do you see what I see? There are people out there. They're hurting. He said, but look also, do you see, there's not that many people here ready to go out there and get them. He said, so let's start praying now to the Lord of the harvest for more laborers. So let's break this passage down right quick. The first thing we know is Jesus had a mission. 
we immediately see that the Savior of the world became a servant of the world. God's Son willingly became man's servant. The Lord became the servant. The Lord was the one who left the wonder of heaven for the woe of earth. And He walked among us as us so that He might redeem us one day. And throughout Scripture He said, As I have come, so I sin. He's telling us to become the servant of the world. He's telling us to be proactive, not reactive. In the wake of what has happened in our country, in our nation, and everything around us, there has been a lot of reaction. And reaction is not bad. We need to react to wrong. But in addition to the reaction, we need to be proactive so that we don't have something or as much to react about. You follow me? And so Jesus said, look, there's people. He said, look, there's not many laborers. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest himself. He said, talk to me. Tell me, Lord of the harvest, we need more workers. (laughs) It says that Jesus went, look at it. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages of Galilee. Josephus, the church historian, said there were about 200 towns in Galilee. There were about 15,000 people average in each of the towns. So if you take 15,000 times 200, Jesus said, I am making myself available to 3 million people. That's what he said. Now, could he reach them all? No. But for everyone that wanted him, him, he said, I'm there. So that meant, and he defined it for us, he said, because look at them. He said, some of them are harassed, helpless, hopeless, like a sheep without a shepherd. He said, I don't care who it is out there, I am available. Now, church, listen to me. When Jesus said, pray for the laborers. He was saying, pray for people who will go to whoever they encounter. Wherever they are in life. Proclaiming the truth and walking among them. Jesus had a mission. His mission was threefold. It was a teaching ministry. It said teaching them. It said it was a preaching ministry, proclaiming the gospel. But it was also a healing ministry. So you understand where Jesus went? He went to the mind. He went to the spirit. And he went to the body. He said, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to give you the information you need so that you'll know what to do when you get there. He said, and I'm going to preach to you the gospel so that you can be redeemed, so that you can be renewed, so that you can be a new creature. And he said, but I'm also going to address the physical need. You're sick, I'm going to meet that need. Now, other places in Scripture, we know that when they were hungry, he fed them. Right? When they were in shame, he restored them. That's what the church needs to do. You see, Jesus used healing to get the opportunity to teach and to preach. He met the physical need. So that when he spoke to the real need of redemption, the real need of discipleship, that he'd earn that right. So now we're beginning to understand the purpose of the program. 
The purpose of the program is to meet the person. When you meet the person, you find out who they really are. When you find out who they really are, then you know how to respond to where they really are. And then you walk beside them. So you see, Jesus was in soul business. And there's no business like soul business. And if y'all think that song is not playing in my head right now, you are crazy. Because I'm going, there's no business like soul business. There's no business. I know. You know, I mean, it's going on. I'm not going to lie to you. It's in my head. But that's what Jesus said. I am in soul business. Jesus wasn't in healing business. No, healing was a tool. Healing was a tool to redeem, to renew, to restore people. Teaching, preaching, healing. Healing was the platform. Church, we need to be actively in people's lives. From earliest I can remember, there was a proverb, not a Bible proverb, but a proverb that I was told, um, or maybe it is Bible, I don't even know where it came from. Teach him, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. When we walk with people and we learn how to do life together, we're teaching people to fish. We're teaching people how to walk through life, how to say no to temptation, how to say yes to righteousness. We're teaching people how to to get along, to live. Jesus had a mission. It was to teach, it was to preach, it was to heal, it was to do physical things with people. One man I read in other places validated it. That only 10% of the American church is involved in any kind of personal ministry. He went on to say that he thinks he can validate and had some empirical evidence that that kind of proved it. That 50% of the church doesn't even want to be involved in ministry anyway. They just want to show up. So I think this works. That means there's 40% of the church that wants to but just we haven't plugged them in yet. So if there's 200 people in here today, um, 20 are, 100 aren't, and 80 want to, and they're just saying, show me how. Um, I think it's Bernard that uses this when he comes. He talks about the ministry. How do you get involved if you want to? If you're sitting there saying, I want a ministry, I want to be a part, I want to do, I want to do what Jesus did. It's the ministry of presence. You can't be involved if you're not here. And then it's the ministry of participation. Walking in the door and saying, I don't care what it is. But I'll do something. And you may have to ask one time. And it just clicks. Or you may have to try ten things before it clicks. But don't give up. 
Because I do promise you, we desire to have you involved because this is what I think I understand about involvement. When I have a reason to get there, it makes it easier to get up when the alarm goes off. When I have a purpose. When I think, you know what? Nobody's going to know if I'm there or not. Alarm goes off. Oh, I think I'll roll over. But when you're counting on me and I'm counting on you, I'll get there. Jesus had a mission. But not only did Jesus have the mission, it says that Jesus saw the misery. Let's look at verse 36. When he saw, I could not get past that phrase, when he saw the people. It kept grabbing me. And I looked out my window. I was in my office and I looked out my window realized I couldn't see what I wanted to see so I walked around to the kitchen area in our church office and I looked back and I was looking at all of that mass of trees that are over here and I really couldn't see the tree for all the trees it was just like one big blob then I walked outside and then I picked out a specific tree And then I couldn't see necessarily all the trees, but I saw that one. And I think what Jesus is teaching us here is, look, sometimes you're going to look and you're going to see the crowd and say, the crowd needs help. But in that crowd, there are specific people that need you to step into their life. Jesus saw the people. Now, he's God, so we're going to give him a little lead way that he could do things we couldn't. But I think this is what he was saying. Is take the time to understand. And care about where that person is in life. You may not understand it. You may not even really can empathize with it because maybe it's not your path or maybe it's not your walk or maybe it's not the journey that God gave you. But you know what? Even if I cannot empathize with you, I can absolutely care about where you are. I can absolutely walk beside you in it and I can hurt because you hurt because you are my brother and my sister in Christ. So what does that mean? I can share in the pain, but I cannot, I don't need to share in the perspective always. Follow me. Because we're not of this world. We're of a kingdom world. We're of a seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things are added to you. So as we walk life together, And we feel each other's burden. We bear one another's burdens is what the scripture says. We feel the pain. Man, you know what? Dude, I don't get it. 
But I tell you this, I'm going to get down on my knees on your behalf and go to God. And I'm going to say, God, I don't know where my brother Nelson is right now, but I know he's hurting. And Lord, I want you to work in his life. And I want him to know that I am his friend and I am beside him. You follow me? Man, David, I don't know where it is right now. But man, I'm walking beside you. Emmanuel, I don't know. But I'm... That's what Jesus said. He saw the crowd. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And it says that he not only saw the crowd and had compassion on them, because it looks, he, he gets very specific. He says, because they were harassed, they were hurting. When he saw his sheep were hurting, we're told they were weary. It means to be troubled, battered, bruised, mangled, ripped apart, worn out, exhausted. And I'm going to tell you, this week has shown me how many people around us are there. They're helpless. They were scattered. The word literally means cast down, unable to get up. Did you know that if a sheep falls down and rolls over on its back, it'll starve to death because it can't get up? It was the original, I fall in and I can't get up. Somebody had to flip it over. I think we run into life, in our lives, we run into people who fall in and they can't get up. And it's very easy, if we're not careful, it's very easy to become pharisaical and say, thank God I'm not like that one. Because rather than a kingdom agenda and a kingdom perspective, it becomes an ego trip that says, I'm better than they are. And we may not be that much better, but we just begin to feel better. So what does a kingdom agenda look like? A kingdom agenda says you don't share everything you think sometimes. A kingdom agenda says you process before you post. A kingdom agenda says that I'm looking and walking with you and that I feel it and I, and I know where you're walking and I'm, on a, I'm beside you. And, a, and, and the love of God. You see, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God. The second is like it, to love your neighbor. So Miss Pat puts a post out there and says, I'm hurting. And Miss Pat, I'll walk beside you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I respect your right to hurt. And I'm going to be there with you. That's what Jesus said. They were hurting. They were helpless. They were hopeless. says he was moved. How does, how does it say it? Let's, let's look at it right quick. said he had compassion. He was moved to compassion. Could that be the missing jewel in the crown of the church? Is that possible? That when you look at the 
crown of the church. And you know, we've all bought those little cheap costume, child toy type things. And one of the little jewels falls out. But if we just regain that compassion. If we began to see the people. On September the 11th, 1992. There was a parking ticket given out in South Central Los Angeles at 9.45 in the morning. For a car that was illegally parked. It wasn't any question the car was illegally parked. It wasn't any question that the ticket needed to be given. Or anything like that. And as the officer wrote the ticket and placed it on the dash. The person in the car gave no response. Gave no indication of even protest. Later, the same officer was called back. And he realized why there was no protest. The man sitting inside the car was dead. And there's more to the story about a lesson that he realized and something he learned and but I think we may, may get there at the church sometimes. Is that we're walking around with people and they're not responding and we're wondering what's going on and, and we just haven't taken the time to notice what's going on in their lives. So what did Jesus do? Jesus had a mission. Jesus saw the misery. Jesus prayed for laborers. Look at verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers. So Jesus saw people. Jesus saw the absence of laborers. And an interesting turn to me, he didn't begin to pray for the people in that moment. He began to pray for more workers. He began to pray that the church would step up and do what the church had been called to do. He says, pray to the Lord. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. He calls us to prayer. This is a command. Every Christian has been commanded to pray for laborers, to pray for workers, to pray for the sheep or the keeper of the sheep, I'm sorry, the shepherd. And I think that prayer begins with us. Lord, I don't want to just be busy. I want to be on point. God, I don't want to just have activity in my life. 
but I want to join you in what you're doing. God, show me how to match your kingdom agenda. Lord, show me how to interact with the people that I'm going to come into contact with. God, don't let me miss my divine appointments. God, and when I come into contact with those people, as you bring them into my life, God, my yes and amen right now is that I will be involved. I will look for a way to be a part of the solution. I will look for a way to communicate the gospel. I will look for a way to to have compassion. I will look for a way to communicate that Jesus is the life. Jesus said, the fruit is ripe. I just need somebody to go pick it. The little boy was talking to his dad. And his dad had given him a little bit of an instruction. And he said, son, I need you to do this. And the little boy looked at his dad and he said, I ain't going. The dad did not like that kind of talk. So he decided it was his moment to go into an English lesson. And he said, first person, first person singular, I am not going. Second person singular, you are not going. Third person singular, he is not going. First person plural, we are not going. Second person plural, you are not going. Third person plural, they are not going. Then he looked at his son and he said, now do you understand? And his little boy looked up at him and said, yes sir, it looks like to me ain't nobody going. Yeah, ain't nobody going. <laughs> World War II, there was a, a battle raging. And it was in the dark of night and the troops were walking. And all of a sudden there was a bright flash and in that bright flash there were many wounded And as they began to see and could tell what was going on, they looked and there was one young private running as fast as he could into the enemy fire. He got there. And in the process, he was wounded. And he began to run back, dragging his friend. And when he got back, his his, uh, commanding person looked at him and said, Why in the world would you risk your life for a dead man? And the private looked at at him and he said, just so I could hear him say, I knew you would come back for me. Ladies and gentlemen, from the spiritual perspective, there are dead people all around us. And they've heard and they've heard About the church that loves them. And yet while they're dying. Nobody's running to the rescue. Could it be. That they're just sitting there wanting to say. I knew you would come back. Things aren't going to change until things change. 
And here's the hard, cold, slap-me-in-the-face fact. The church is talking about change. And Satan is enacting change. He's got troops on the ground. He's got people in the street. And while we're talking about, man, I wish there was this or that. He is right there going, yeah, that church lets you down. You're looking for a place to belong? Come hang out with me. And I could spend the rest of the day with stories. And I'm sure you could too. The ministry of presence. The ministry of participation. And then when we get there, living out the purpose. Jesus said, I'm the Lord of the harvest. In other words, I am the Lord of the one who communicates to people that I left heaven to come to earth so that you could leave earth and go to heaven. So every time we gather, the gospel has to be central. And then once the gospel is accepted, then there's teaching to say, this is how you walk. And along the way, we're going to have to roll up our sleeves. Along the way, people are going to need help. But what an awesome and amazing privilege we have to join the Lord of the harvest in His work. We need to see as Jesus saw. We need to feel as Jesus felt. So we will do what Jesus did. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more or to contribute through online giving, please visit www.mzbc.org. If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more, simply click on the Sermons tab or subscribe to the Simple Truth Podcast through iTunes. Thank you for supporting Mount Zion, where you are welcome, wanted, and needed.